Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. So Acts 16, we've been going through Acts since it feels like last year. But I feel like, Ryan, that was so good. I don't even need to preach this morning. I'm just ready to see ya. That was awesome. So thank you for that. Um, but the book of Acts, there's many main themes and there's such a good part that I don't know if I'll have time to get to, so I'm going to speed demon through it. But we have Timothy. So there's six kind of topics that happen. Timothy joins Paul and Silas, and we know those wonderful names that are common, the name that if I was going to have a boy, I wanted Silas, and my husband said no. Um, the Macedonian call, which um, Andrew's going to speak a bit about. We have the conversion of a wonderful gal named Lydia. Paul and Silas are in prison. We have the conversion of the Philippian jailer. And then these guys are released and they move on the journey. So we're going to start in um, verse 1 of 16. And it says this. Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they grew daily in numbers. So the first thing that I want to point out is our lovely friend, Timothy. Timothy joins in with these two champions, Paul and Silas. Timothy was known to be a true son of the faith. It says that he was trained up essentially by his mom and his grandmother. So these women are who are pointed out, and there's a reason for that. But I love that Paul is somebody that takes along a young person, a young person. He was, Timothy was youthful. He was, it was a, it's a wonderful example of who is beneath you that you can take along your faith journey with you. Who is that? It says that they spoke well of Timothy. The value here of reputation, of what it is that our life looks like, that people speak about, that can make us more influential. And it's something that they pointed out about Timothy. Timothy was known to be very, very teachable and open to what it was that Paul was teaching. Verse 3 talks about the circumcision that was happening. And so what is it that you and I do to ensure that we're keeping others' ears and eyes open to hearing the gospel. Because to be circumcised would be like, ow, that wouldn't be very fun. We're going to go there today. Um, but the willingness to do whatever it took, it said because of the Jews, because of the Jews. So women t could not technically circumcise without the father's approval, which is the point of them saying that she was Jewish but the father was Greek. And so that was being noted as to likely why Timothy was not yet circumcised. And so his family line was traced back through the Jewish background. So if his father was a Jew 
and Timothy was not circumcised, this likely would have caused an immense amount of uproar. But that is not what happened. And scripture says that, we, that the gospel was going to be preached first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. So that was the value of them really wanting to pursue pleasing and doing what it was so that they could reach the Jews, as scripture has said. So 1 Corinthians 9 in verse 19 verse to 21 says this, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. Try to say that 20 times fast. But the point of that was the value of them not being under the law. We are under a new covenant in Jesus, but them still going to the measure of what it was so that we might be able to reach that, reach people. Because what did that mean and represent to the Jews? They wouldn't have respected him as a teacher. They would not have respected him as being someone under the law. And you know, I don't think that this has necessarily changed today in some element. I think still today, there are and will be things that make you and me sit down and listen to someone teaching the gospel and think, I don't think I'm going to respect what they have to say or listen because of something in our own personal way of belief. There are certain costs even, like we see the cost of Paul, we see the cost of Silas and the cost of what Timothy just did, that certain leaders over you that maybe even now or maybe that you might know in the future, only God will know what they have done and the sacrifices that they've made in order to win over the certain type or people that God has called them to win over. So just to be mindful of that. 16.5 says this. I love that verse. It says, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and they grew daily in numbers. So there was a double benefit that happened there. So those who were already established, they were faithful, they were serving, they were strengthened even more in their faith. And there were also more that were being added to the number. So we pick up in verse six and it says this, Paul and his companions companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, 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 but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So these guys were hanging around the border of Asia. And if they would have kept going, they would have gone into Asia. But the Holy Spirit forbid them to go. The spirit of Jesus would not allow them to go and preach the gospel, which seems a bit confusing. Right, Because what does scripture say to us? Go out into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We can only assume that this has something to do with God's timing. 
God's timing. God can ask you and me to be um, be in certain places and that we might be more effective based on his timing of certain places. Though everyone we know needed to hear the gospel, there was something about the who and the when that this passage communicates. What we see also here is that there was no rebuttal or refusal from these guys. They didn't question God. It said that they kept going. They kept going. A great reminder of us that are being directed and moved by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, why God? I've been there so many times. Why am I living in Australia? Why do I live here all the time? I miss my family. Help me, you know? And it's just that, that timing where it's just stop questioning it and just be present where you are at. And praise God for all the people who want to live on the coast. They went to Troas. Troas is on the coast. There's a map there. It's just right up here. So we'll see that these guys were moving through and then they went up to Troas. And um, the call was leaving Asia and then they were going to go over to, my surname is Philippi. So I'm going to say it, not Philippi. I'm going to say Philippi. So they went up to Philippi which was they were moving into Europe. And they had this beautiful vision of the man calling out on behalf of his people and needing the help for their souls. Who are you calling out for? He was calling out for his people saying, help me, help me, help our people. Come across and help us. There was vision at at nighttime. So this vision only happened and it was only given to Paul. It wasn't given to Silas. It wasn't given to Timothy. It wasn't given to Luke. But it said that we, Luke is talking now, he's talking in first person, we went, because he's the writer of this book, or sorry, he's the writer of, in the, at that time in this part, and he says we. But they didn't question his vision. They all just went. How do you go under someone else's vision? How do you go under someone else's vision? Their response was immediate. They listened to Paul and entrusted the authority that the Holy Spirit had on him, and they went. And then we have our lovely conversion of Lydia. We read um, in chapter, or sorry, in verse 11, we pick up. It says, from Troas, we put out to the sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day, we went on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony in a leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside to the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and we began to speak to the woman who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatria named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us into her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. So Philippi was a Roman colony. It was a privileged place, a privileged status for certain cities that were there. Um, Alexander the Great's dad is who this city was named after, Philip, because great, his, his father. Um, they're traveling about, and they finally reach this place outside of the gate. So they expected to find a place of prayer, but they sat down to chat to a bunch of these women down by the river. And that is what some scholars came up with, a couple of ideas as to why that is. First, that if this was a place of being in a military location, so they may not have had a synagogue, so the river was where they had went. But other scholars might say that 
You also need 10 men in order for the nucleus to form a synagogue, and they didn't have that many. So that's where the women would go, come and reside into the side of the river, and then they would come together and pray. So there's something to be said of the women gathering, their grasp of the gospel, something about the heart of a woman that just hears the gospel of Jesus Christ and is moved, which is incredible. We want to value that. It expressed that this town was not a Jewish town due to the fact that Jewish women tended to always be with husbands and these gals were hanging with themselves in their own little girl club. Lydia came from Thyatria, so again the province of Asia. Could it be that this has anything to do with the fact that they weren't allowed to go to Asia but they were still impacting somebody from that place? Maybe, I don't know, just a thought that I had. Purple goods, so purple goods represented great wealth, great wealth. And um, this town was known for expensive purple dyes. So this was likely why she moved to to, um, Philippi, was to sell her goods. It was said that she was a worshiper of God, and this was made evident to them. She responded, and then her whole family was baptized. So that are a few things that are really, really different from how we see things today. Something that um, isn't of usual norm is that once, I, once, you're bapti- once you're baptized and you believe in the Lord, normally our whole family isn't then baptized. Now, um, being baptized straight away after believing was also a common custom that happened. Um, and this also mirrors when Abraham and his whole family was circumcised, what happens is there's covenant there. So when you and I say yes to Jesus, covenant is a promise that God has between us. And he says, I promise this because you have done this. And covenant is huge. And that's why the blood of Christ is so powerful because it covers us. So this covenant covered seed. And so this is what was happening here in this commitment that Lydia made. However, we don't know if Lydia was married or had children of her own. We don't know if they were saved or if they were just baptized. So that's something we don't know. But I love here that it said the Lord opened her heart. It was the Lord. So it was these guys being used. It was them that preached the gospel, but it was the Lord that opened her heart. And it shows the inclination that the heart towards truth doesn't originate in the will of man. It doesn't. The first disposition to the gospel is a complete work of grace, of grace. It is nothing that we can ever take credit for. And it could, could it also be that God knew the timing and that Theatra would not be somewhere where Paul and his team were going to be going. And so he ch- decided to move Lydia and her whole family over to Europe so that she might be able to be impacted by the gospel. Who knows? Who knows? So in that, Paul and Silas are heading into prison, but I don't have time to go through that because my time is up. But what is it? The question that we're going to do now is have a bit of a breakout. So if you haven't been here before, you can um, turn to who's next to you or whatever on the lounge, or you can just pretend that you don't, you don't know, and you can scroll through Facebook or Instagram if you have it. Um, but we're going to do a little breakout time, and then Andrew's going to come up and, and bring us forward. So the question that I'd love for us is, was there ever a time or a place where you are questioning the proximity of where you were and the impact that it has, that you're able to look in hindsight back and able to see, 
oh, wow, you really were doing something there that I wasn't sure of. And that is going to kind of be what we're talking about with, with Lydia here. So if you just want to go ahead and um, chat to the table, and then we'll have about five or so minutes, and then Andrew's going to come up. Can we just thank Pastor Linneo for bringing the word? Um, most people, when they're in their 10th trimester, are usually at home getting foot rubs from their husbands, Mikey Barlow, um, but she's up sermon prepping um, instead. So you're an absolute weapon and we're very blessed to have you um, serving us and, uh, and serving the Lord, Pastor Linnea. Anyway, it's New Year's resolution time. Yeah, or it was. You might have, you might have missed out. You might have given up, whatever. Yesterday in our household, we sat our six-year-old and three-year-old boys down and said, all right, boys, goals for 2023. What are they? And they said, what are goals, mum and dad? (laughs) And we said, well, it's something that we want to do that we're not doing yet. And so um, Phoebe looked at me and looked at my stomach and said, you go first. I'm like, all right, I'd like to lose a few kilos. And um, I cried into my fruit salad this morning. (laughs) And... And that was the example. And so we set them for the boys. And they're very cute. It's like, you know, ride the pedal bike and swim um, a lap of the pool and um, stop uh, having wet nights in bed. Please, Lord, um, help us with that one. If we could achieve one, we'll achieve that one. That'd be great. Uh, It's hard to wash when it's 22 and overcast outside. Um, But we sat down and we introduced them to the concept of getting better and growing and stretching ourselves so that we could become better versions of ourselves. And I think, I think they got it. We'll do the balance scorecard on December 31 this year and we'll see how they go. But um, our six-year-old swam 10 laps of the pool yesterday, so he got his first, uh, first tick and uh, he's learning about being a gracious winner now and boasting about... <laughs> achieving his goals as a resolution for next year. Anyway, um, but we're in that season and I don't know how resolutions sit with you. I don't know if that's something that is interesting for you, um, but certainly we like to do that in our household. So um, I wanted to talk about decision-making today. And there's a few different ways we can do it and we're going to pull it out of three verses this morning. And um, it's just here in Acts 16, 7 to 10. And it says, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Thank you for the maps this morning, Pastor Linnea. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us, please. After Paul had seen the vision... We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So here are a group of guys. They're living in God's purpose. They understand what God has in store for them, that they would continue with their calling to preach the gospel to other people, as it says in verse 10. But they hit a, a, a barrier. The Spirit of God tells them not to go there. It does not allow them to in, uh, in the Bible. So we see two ways that we can um, discern God's will here. There's the whole go about everyday life and go ahead with the plan that they have implemented. That is spread the gospel as far and as wide as, and as, to t- as many people as we can. And then we see another way whereby Paul has a vision of a Macedonian man in his dream. 
and, uh, and there's a direction there to come to Macedonia. One is very proactive, everyday, mundane, routine. We're just walking and we're sticking to the game plan. The other is the other extreme where God actually interjects with a dream and changes the course of the plan. Two very different ways. Now, if you haven't had an amazing God dream, that's fine. I'm not going to say that every Christian has had one. I'm not going to say that every Christian will have one. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes, or most of the time, it does not. And that's totally fine. So that's, there's two ways here in this passage where we can discern God's will. There's multiple um, different ways that God will speak to us or lead us or direct us. But in this passage that he highlights two, that's uh, Luke, the writer of Acts. So everyday and rare supernatural. Um, so I want to pull out three things out of these three verses. Um, the first one is godly people read from the same passage. And in verse 10, we're going to reread verse 10. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Imagine having a day where you couldn't go into the city because the Holy Spirit didn't allow you to and then you're sitting with your team, breakfast the next morning, all right, well, we can't go into Bithynia. Where are we going to go, fellas? Paul gets up around the breakfast table and says, yeah, um, I had a dream about a Macedonian bloke and the whole table goes, hmm, what? That sounds a bit weird. And he says, all right, we're going to go to Macedonia. I believe the Lord is saying go to Macedonia. And so for a group of godly people to uh, all agree that that was the right direction, they've changed the play that they were going with and they've all agreed. They've concluded together and that is, a, that is a show that they were all on the same page. They were all listening to God. They were prompted by the Spirit and they agreed that that change of plan or the change of play was going to be the right course of action. So let's, get, let's grab a, a little bit of Greek here. So we're going to look at the Greek word for conclude. We concluded. That word in Greek is symbibatso. Say it on three. One, two, three. Symbibatso. All right, we're being cultured this morning. That means to cause uh, to come together, to unite, to knit together and to agree together. That doesn't mean a hence thus, therefore, we think this is the best option on the balance of probabilities, the pros and cons ledger. No, we actually have uh, a unity in idea. We are united in that feel and we agree that God is telling us to do that. It's something deeper, it's something stronger, it's something bonding, that when you are working with godly people and you're all on the same page, you will agree, you will conclude, you will simbabatso that that is the best way forward. I, uh, I, in the early weeks, months that Phoebe and I were dating uh, over a decade ago, she said, I really want you to meet my great auntie Joan. Like, okay, that's cool. I heard about great auntie Joan. spent 50 years in Papua New Guinea Highlands as a missionary. Someone that you want to meet. When, you, when, early, when your girlfriend says, I need you to meet someone um, who's that spiritual, you're like, okay, that's cool. So I went to Auntie Joan's house. She's about half my height. That's small. I'm on a stage here. That's small. And she's all shriveled, uh, hunched over, not shriveled over, hunched over. And, uh, <laughs> and she's an absolute powerhouse. She's an absolute powerhouse. And I've met her before, but I hadn't had a chance to get to know her. 
we have dinner and she receives a call on the landline and um, it's her daughter. And she was just saying, look, thanks for calling. I'll call you back. I'm here with uh, Phoebe Moore and her fiancé, Andrew. And I went red in the face with fiancé. We're not engaged yet. And Phoebe just looked at me and went, "Mm." And (laughs) And I simbabatsoed with my great aunt Joan and my new girlfriend um, that that was probably a good idea to propose at some stage. So I never actually had to pray to God, is Phoebe the right one? Because Auntie Joan said so. Anyway, <laughs> the Lord bless her. She's gone now and uh, that's her legacy on my life, um, Yeah, which I'm very grateful for. Have godly people in your corner who will cheer you on, who will stand beside you, who will give you advice, who will call you out when you're being a goose um, and have a way of... Um, allowing them to speak into your life. When we conclude together, we can move together. Point number two that we're getting out of this passage, get ready to leave at once. Get ready to leave at once. Verse 10, again, we're going to read through it. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Um, They had this sense of urgency. It wasn't next week. It was the next morning around the breakfast table. I'm just um, adding a bit of narrative here. I don't know if it was the next day, Um, but it was pretty soon after. They concluded that they were going to go to Macedonia, um, just change the course of the play. And so sometimes... Life throws a challenge in an unpredictable circumstance and we think, oh, hang on, I thought we were doing the right thing. And they were doing the right thing. They were going to a town to preach the gospel. But for whatever reason, that plan changed. The Holy Spirit came down and went, nah, I'm going to steer you guys in another direction. Go to Macedonia. And so that happened and they didn't do anything wrong. The scriptures don't allude to that, but they, it wasn't the best option for that time and they may not know why. But we do know that if, I don't know if you've had this situation before, but you pray and ask God for something and you pray for a, a long time and it seems like he's not answering. And that's just how he operates. I, can't, I don't understand why, can't explain why. All I know is that when he says, all right, he answers that prayer, he gives you that instruction, now is the time to move. Even though he may have took his time according to our expectations, We need to move accordingly. Here's a couple of verses in the Bible about how important it is to move quickly. 2 Corinthians 6, 2. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. If you're wrestling with God at the moment and you're wondering if Christianity is for you, it is. And now is the day of salvation. I'd love to pray for you straight after this. Um, If you're wrestling with a big decision about how God is going to move in your life and you've already been given that instruction and you're waiting for things to fall into place. No, today is the day where you put a line in the sand and go, yep, I'm going to do this for God. Proverbs 16, 9, in his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. That's fantastic. Hear from God, make a plan. I'm not saying do things without a plan, but make a plan and discern it with a lens, a godly lens over it. Read the scriptures, ask people, make that plan and then the Lord will determine your steps. You might, have, you might have aced that roadmap and you go straight for it and it's all good or he might need to change your course. That's totally fine. Proverbs 21.2, all a man's ways seem right to him but the Lord weighs 
the heart. Do it with a godly heart. Do it with a faithful heart. Do it with an obedient heart. So here's um, five questions that you can ask yourself when you're making a godly decision. The litmus test questions. Number one, where has God already called me? You might be in the spot that you're meant to do, be in. And I might be here saying, hey, we need to act and we need to discern God's will and you might already be there. That's fantastic. Stay there and finish well. Number two, am I meant to finish what I'm doing now? Yes, probably. Yeah, (laughs) finish it. (laughs) Is this benefiting the people around me? Number four, am I growing spiritually because of this? That's a big one. That's a big one. You ever seen someone walk off um, out of church and then say, oh, it's not a time or a season for church in my life? I can almost guarantee that their faith will suffer. can almost guarantee. Number five, is God being glorified through this? And that's the big one. If you tick off the first four and number five isn't ticked off, then it's not a godly plan. All right, so you can run plans by God, but sometimes they're a good thing to do. Like if the barista, if you think, I might join the barista team. No, but hang on, I'm going to pray and ask God about it, whether it's the will of God, whether my skills and my God-given abilities are the right thing and they're going to be in the right place if I serve on the barista team once a month. Yeah, they are. So go and join the barista team. They're a great team. You don't have to pray for these kind of things. You don't have to wait for God to send a Macedonian man into your dream and say, join the barista team. You don't need that. That was a terrible Macedonian accent. I'm never going to do that again. Um, So so to summarise so far, number one, godly people read from the same page. They give advice, they take advice. Number two, get ready to leave at once. You take action. Number three, point number three, the play may change but the plan doesn't. The play may change but the plan doesn't. If you've played any kind of sport at at a level where people are competitive and capable, I'll leave that. Um, definition um, to your own experience but if you've played a bit of sport where there's a captain and a coach the plan will always be to win yeah you don't play to lose you play to win and there's a plan about how you're going to win and that generally doesn't change you've got a team of people with different gifts and abilities your opposing team have a team of people with different gifts and abilities and there will be plays and there will be mini plans within the game plan that allow you to win and there's context within a game and the power shift changes and momentum changes and whatever else so you might have to change the play you might have to swap a few positions around you might have to use the interchange you might have to use um, a set play whatever it might be whatever it might be but the plan never changes God never changes his plan even though the play may change Acts 16, 7 to 10, we're going to go from the top bit. Same passage again. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Sometimes you need the great coach to interject. Sometimes he'll jump in and go, you know what? This is still part of the plan, but I'm going to put a setback in front of you. I'm going to change the play a little bit, and that's totally fine. It is totally fine. And sometimes we look at that and go, oh, well, God doesn't want me to do it anymore. God stopped, the, um, God, God stopped Paul and Luke and co going into Bithynia. Oh, well, we must be doing something wrong. No, 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 doing something right, but we just changed. 
And we may not know why God puts that in front of us, but it happens anyway. And so they, they were doing the right thing, but God knew something that they didn't. There might have been danger in that town. There might have been people in that town that were going to harm them. There might have already been missionaries in that town and they were thriving. We don't know. We absolutely don't know. Um, But we do know that God's plan is always the best plan and God will move you towards his plan as long as your ballast is an even keel and you are uh, hearing from him and you are in his word and you are with good people and you are wanting to go forward into the plan that he has for you. James 1, 2-4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Beware the danger of thinking that God has changed the plan or I'm failing or where's God when he doesn't hear me or does God hear me? Because when we do that, we limit God. Just remember that God's plan is always far above what we can capture in our human minds and our free will either leads us to it or leads us, leads us from it. The play may change, but God's plan does not. And so I don't know where you are this morning. You might be thriving, you might be surviving. Well, I don't know. Only you can discern that. You might have big decisions in front of you and you might be hooked up to a harness ready to jump. You might be in that jump, that free fall moment waiting for the harness to take. You've just taken a risk. You've changed life uh, plans. You've changed part of life, whatever it might be. And you're allowing God to move in your life. That's exciting. It's really exciting. But the Lord, the Lord will guide your steps and he will help you to see that plan as long as you just trust that he has it all under control, even when it feels uncontrollable, even when it feels unpredictable, even when it feels unknown. The Lord is always good, always good. And so with that, I love the fact that we look into a new calendar year and think, how am I going to better myself? What does God have in store for me in 2023? What does God want me to do? What does God, uh, who does God want me to work with? What does God want me to change? What does God want me to give up? What sin is meant to be cast off? What do I need to concentrate on? Like Ryan said before, um, what change, what discipline do I need to implement so that my life gets better? Ask yourself that question this morning. I'm going to pray now. And, um, and we, if you need some prayer about that, if you need some vision, if you need a fresh um, filling of the Holy Spirit so that you can just have a bit of hope, that's totally fine. We're going to have prayer team over to my right, your left after the service, which is really soon. Would you join me with, in prayer? Father God, thank you so much that your will is so much better than whatever plan we can conjure up. Thank you, Lord, that you've already marked that. You've already planned that. You're already working it. You're already bringing it to fruition. It's just us that we have to say, yes, God, I'm in it. I want it. I'm seeking you. I want some advice from godly people. I want to be part of the game. I want to succeed here. And so, Father, I just pray that your spirit will stir our hearts this morning and really give us that fresh direction. Give us dreams, give us visions, give us prophecies, give us words of encouragement, give us whatever we may need so that 
we can um, be faithful with what you have in store for us. Lord, we believe in good things. We believe in godly things for each individual life in this room, but also as a collective community of believers. So Lord, would you make that obvious and would you put some wind in our sails as we think about what that looks like. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.